Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Our sermon text for this morning is from the letter to the Hebrews. I'm reading selections from chapter 13. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison. As though you were in prison with them, those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I want to start by telling you about a church that I know about that was in considerable uh, trouble. Uh, they, the, the church had, had lost their mojo. I mean, they had no swagger, no verb left. They were just tired. In fact, some of the members had stopped coming all together. Of course, I could be describing any number of churches across today's American landscape, but the church I'm talking about was a small congregation in the first century that was possibly meeting in Rome. As I said, they were tired. It's not clear why. Some think they were dragging because they just thought that Jesus was coming back soon, and soon meaning like last summer, and so they were just tired of waiting. The, The writer says, For yet in a very little while the one who is coming will come and not delay, urging this congregation, urging them to be patient. Don't give up on the return of the risen Christ. But they were a member when they were kids. This congregation, now grown, they remember when they were kids. The church looked so different back then. Their their parents had been so on fire. The church used to be packed every Sunday. A generation ago, you had to get there early if if you wanted a parking space for your donkey. It was packed. The first generation church was so committed 
The stories of Jesus' resurrection were still so fresh. The transformation that happened in his presence still so current. And it ran through the congregation like electricity. But here we are. Second generation believers. Jesus hasn't come back. And they're still mending and fishing and harvesting to do. And well, you know, things get busy. You got to kind of get back to it. Zeal is waning. Attendance has just kind of gotten lax. In fact, catch this little jab about church attendance. Earlier in chapter 10, the writer starts by encouraging the congregation Saying, and let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together. And then he throws this little jab in. As been the habit of some. Some of you have been neglecting church, he said. Sleeping in, taking the family out to brunch. But this writer has a pastor's heart. There's some reasonable debate over whether or not the writer was Paul, but surely... uh, caring Christian leader whose intention is to encourage and inspire this listless congregation. Listen to the urgency of his pleas. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confessions. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Hold fast, lift your drooping hands, come on, you can do it. But but this is not just a pep talk from a high school football coach standing on top of a water cooler. This pastor has very specific instructions about what will renew this congregation. And here in the last chapter, what I read, the writer gives a clear list of disciplines, expectations, actions that will result in personal and congregational renewal. So are you ready? We want this list, right? I mean, who in the room doesn't want to see a list of things that promise to improve your life and reinvigorate your church? You might even want to highlight, you might even want to memorize it. And it's in list form. We love lists. Have you ever noticed how many books are marketed to us by giving us a list? Because we love lists. Ten things I wish I'd known before I went out into the real world. Or Ira Bycox, the the four things that matter most. You might have read the five things we cannot change and the things you simply must, uh, and the happiness we find by embracing them. Henry Cloud wrote, nine things you simply must do to succeed in life and love. And more than 25 million copies of the seven habits of highly effective people. We do love a list. And the things, the list of things that lead to personal and congregational renewal. Here in the book, this sold more copies than all of these combined. And so, you might want to put this on lipstick on your mirror, put a note in your briefcase. Here are the ten disciplines that lead to renewal. One. 
Let mutual love among you continue. Two, show hospitality to strangers. Three, remember those who are in prison, those who are experiencing hardship. Four, honor your marriage vows. Five, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Six, remind yourself that God will never leave you. Say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Seven, imitate the faith of mature leaders you admire. Eight, worship continually. Continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. Nine is simple. Do good. And ten, share what you have. That's it. Work the list. If you want personal renewal, you want to contribute to the invigoration of this church community, take this list, put it on your computer screen, practice, everyday practice. Now, most of you have been coming here long enough to know that I am not a list preacher. You have never heard me preach a list. Today's sermon is a major departure from my style of preaching. You've never heard me preach on the four steps to a better marriage or the six steps to discipleship. But I do try to let my preaching follow the contours of the Scripture itself. For instance, if I'm preaching a psalm and the language soars with beauty. Okay, my language doesn't soar with beauty, but I try to match it. I try to get there. Try to meet it where it is. Most of the scripture, a lot of the scripture is stories, and I love stories. And when I preach a story, I love to preach the story. Let the story do the work of the story. And then it invites me to think about my own stories, and I tell you stories out of my... I love the stories. But today our scripture is a list. A straightforward, between-the-eyes list. And sometimes that's what's needed. There's no poetry, there's no nuance, there's no turn of the phrase. Pencil ready. Give me a list of the things I could do to experience personal renewal and that would contribute to our congregation being revitalized. So given the importance of the list, let's hear it one more time. Let mutual love among you continue. Right here, this church. This is where we practice being our most loving selves, mutual. Within this congregation, with each other, we exercise the muscles of mutual care. Let this continue, the writer says. Show hospitality to strangers. This isn't an appeal just to be nice to church visitors. Strangers, 
the people who are most not like you. Be kind. They don't share your ethnic heritage, your faith tradition, your politics. Well, be different from the rest of the narrow world and show hospitality to them. Get out the fine china and treat them like they're special. Remember those who are in prison, those experiencing hardship. Care for the people in a tough place. Be the church. Care for those in trouble. Honor your marriage vows. Pastoral counselor once said to me, if it were not for addictions and infidelities, most of the people in my profession would be out of work. It's simple, no explanation needed. Honor your marriage vows. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. The lack of contentment might be the national epidemic. How much joy do we steal from each day because we just need a little more? So with gratitude for what you have, not lust for what you don't have, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Remind yourself that God will never leave you. Say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? And the assurance of the love of God that passes all understanding in the assurance that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, we find our rest. And only in the lap of that love can we operate in this world without fear. Do not be afraid. You are loved. Imitate the faith of mature leaders you admire. Look around. Some of my heroes are in this congregation. There are some people in this room who are so fully alive, who live into the abundance of all that the gospel promises. So I take notes. I go to lunch with those people. I watch closely how mature faith sings. There are some of you in this room I want to be when I grow up. Who is that for you in here? Who who embodies the fullness of the gospel promise? Who seems most fully alive to you? Worship. Continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. I love that phrase. A sacrifice of praise. We don't come here and bring unblemished goats to the altar. We come here to lift our eyes to heaven, to offer a sacrifice of praise, to worship the fruit of lips that confess his name, and we make Sunday worship as high as any weekly priority because it is our worship that grounds us and shapes us and reminds us of who we are in the story of God. Do good. Do good. Action verb, 
do good. See Heather about tutoring at Garden Hills or see Josh about ministry days that are coming out. Ask me about serving on nonprofit boards in the city. Volunteer. Go with the group next year to Miami. Do good. Fall. Fail. Start over. Find unmet needs. Fill the gaps. Love in action. Do good. Repeat as needed. Just do good. Share what you have. Be generous. Do you sing and not yet in the choir? Do you have administrative gifts not yet on a committee? Do you have financial comfort that has become financial excess? Share. Gratitude always leads to generosity. Share what you have. Sharing and joy are like best friends in middle school. You will rarely see one without the other. Share what you have. By the way, the person you thought about when I asked you who in this congregation seemed most fully alive, he or she is working on this list. It it might not be conscious, They might not have it tucked in a book next to the recliner, but the person you most admire in here is here worshiping on Sunday and practicing and failing and getting up again and trying to live out this list of renewal and purpose and mutuality. C.S. Lewis once said that while Christians may think they most want to possess life's beauty, It's not their deepest hope. The most ardent hope and desire is to share the beauty, to participate in the beauty and goodness of life. And you know that this is true. Shared life is the way to life abundance. The writer of Hebrews said, let mutual love continue. Beauty is found in the mutuality of it. Two weeks ago, I was not with you in worship. Melissa and I had a vacation week. We took a great trip to New York City. It was wonderful. And we were the guest of somebody else's generosity, alive people whose nature it is to give. But the highlight of our trip was that our daughter, Haley, was able to join us for three days. And she'd never been to New York. Melissa and I had been before. But being with Haley for three days meant we got to share this experience differently. It was shared beauty. I was with her when she first saw the lights of Times Square, when she first looked across the Hudson River at Lady Liberty, when she first strolled through Central Park. My fullness was in the mutuality of it, the shared beauty. And you know this feeling, which is why we can't do church on our iPad. We have to come here to practice living the list with each other, giving and serving with our elbows touching. And you also know people who don't practice the list, who take who don't live for others, who hoard and keep score and stack up and preserve, and as they age, their small life shrivels even more. 
They have big portfolios and no mutuality. No place to share the love, and it leads to a shriveled and sad life. But those who share the beauty are the ones who live the abundance we admire most. The poet George Herbert put it this way, There is no greater sign of holiness than the procuring and rejoicing in another's good. That's what the pastor, this pastor author of Hebrews was saying. Let mutual love continue. Procure and rejoice in the good of somebody else. And then he offered a specific list of behaviors that if you practice them will lead to your renewal and the renewal of the church. What do you suppose might happen to our church if we took that seriously? What, What if we took this list and made a conscious effort day in and day out to work this list to our own renewal and the church's revitalization? What might happen? And what first step should you take? It'll be different for each of us. What is something this week you might do differently to start exercising some different muscle on this list to move one step closer to who God has called you to be in Christ? Would you consider that as we stand and sing together our hymn of response? Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.